that really in the Bible? You live in a world where everyone has an opinion about the Bible. Of what values are your beliefs if they are not clearly found in the pages of your Bible? The question we must ask is, are your opinions and beliefs really found in the Bible? Well, hello, I'm David Freeman with, is that really in the Bible? I want to begin with a question, and the question is this, how easy would it be for you to be deceived? You know, one of the greatest self-deceptions that we live with is the illusion that I could never be deceived. Now, that's the greatest deception right there. A lot of people view themselves that way. Well, no, not me. I can understand everybody else being deceived, but no, I could never be deceived. But the question is, and especially I'm talking to you who are religious, how easy would it be for you as a religious person to be deceived? In other words, if I could on this program call down fire from heaven, you know, Maybe have a big blaze come out of the ceiling right here and just right in front of, you know, would you believe me? If I could start speaking in different languages or as some charismatic groups call it, speaking in tongues, which is really nothing more than a bunch of gibberish that no one can understand. It's confusion and it's really not of God at all. But if I could just start rattling off something right now, would you believe me? If I could, hey, how about this one? If I could heal a sick person, maybe go to the hospital and just cause that person to get up out of that sick bed, would you believe me? If I could walk up to a person in a wheelchair and just yank them up right out of the wheelchair and you know, you, maybe you knew that they had been crippled or something, would you believe me? If I could cast out demons, would you believe me? How about this one? If I could raise a person from the dead, boy, now that's something right there. Would you believe me? Now the question I'm dealing with is this. How easy would it be for you as a religious person to be deceived? And I think a lot of people would say, oh yeah, if I saw that, I would believe. Oh, I believe in you, yeah. Well, you know, you're not supposed to believe in me anyway, but believe in what the Bible says. Believe Jesus Christ. But I think a lot of people would say, oh yeah, if I saw something like that, you know, man, someone raised from the dead, I would believe. And my question is, how easy would it be for you to be deceived? Now, Jesus gives us a warning, and I want to look at what this warning says. In Matthew 24 and verse 24, let's take a look at that. He says, For there shall arise false Christs and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive the very elect. Now notice this. Christ comes along and says, look, there's going to be false prophets, false teachers that are going to show many signs and great wonders, great signs and wonders, that if it was possible, you know, they could deceive the very elect of God. Now, it is too much, it is to our disadvantage that Jesus doesn't tell us what kind of signs and wonders was he talking about. Uh, just exactly what are these false prophets, these false Christs, 
What kind of signs and wonders are they going to do? Now, he doesn't tell us that. Now, what we do know, though, is in Jesus' ministry, he did several things. He healed the sick, yes. They uh, spoke in different languages, yeah. They cast out demons, yep. And they even uh, raised the dead on, on, on some rare occasions. Now, what you need to understand is this, though. It's one thing for God. The reason Jesus did this is because he was validating his ministry. In other words, Jesus did these things to show his power and who he really was. That he was the Son of God. And so he, and he also gave to his disciples this kind of power to do these very things to do these wonders and signs and wonders. But it was for the purpose of validating his ministry. In other words, he could do that. He was validating his own ministry. He wasn't validating someone else's ministry. He was val validating his ministry by these signs and wonders. Now, it's critical to understand what I just said. Now, one of the things that I see coming along in fact, it's been out there for a long time. But one of the things I think you're going to see more of is people using signs and wonders to validate their ministry. And it goes something like this. Well, you see, uh, we, we have this power. I mean, we're, we're speaking in tongues. We're uh, healing sick people. We're casting out demons. And that's a sign that God must be with us. God is validating our ministry. And often these ministries look at others who don't have this kind of power. And they say, well, you see, well, look, God's not really doing much from them, with them. All they got is just the word. They just got the scripture. You know, they don't have anything. They just got the word of God. That's all they do. They just teach the word of God. But we, oh, we have these signs and wonders. Now, this is a very dangerous situation. In fact, I see this on the horizon right now of ministries of people using signs and wonders to validate, to say we are approved of God. God has placed his stamp of approval on us because we are doing these things. I see this coming along and I see people being deceived by this. Okay. Now, again, Jesus validated his own ministry. It was his ministry. It was his power. And so he did do these things to validate himself. Okay, that's one thing. It's altogether a different picture, though, to, for God to validate someone else's ministry. Jesus was validating his ministry. And I did mention that he did give the, the disciples the power to do some of these things also. But, but they were under the scrutiny of Jesus Christ. Because the bottom line was their ego couldn't handle this kind of power. I mean, think about it. I mean, it really, on one occasion, they were ready to call down fire from heaven and kill a bunch of people. On another occasion, they were, they were talking about who's going to be the greatest. So I'm saying when you give mankind, any man, this kind of power, they just can't handle it. And so during Jesus' three-and-a-half-year ministry, his disciples were under the scrutiny of Christ Jesus. And he would set them straight when their ego got the best of them. All right. Now, I started thinking about this. If God came along to me and said, David, I'm going to validate your ministry with signs and wonders. 
And I wouldn't even be too crazy about that, to be honest with you. I mean, but let's, let's just go with it. Let's just pretend that God came along and said, okay, I'm going to validate your ministry with signs and wonders. I'm going to give you the power to raise the dead. Okay. Well, first thing I got to do is find some dead people. Where would I go to find some dead people? I'm not sure. Surely dead people don't go to church. Well, actually, they do go to church. They're, they're just, they're spiritually dead. They just don't know it, you know. But, uh, yeah, a lot of dead people in church. Okay. But, you know, I'd have to find some dead people to raise, and, and I guess that'd be okay. But I just, I just don't think God is in the business of raising people from the dead today. Now, the reason I say that is, I'm not saying that it's impossible, but I'm just saying that, you know, it is appointed unto men once to die. We all have to die. And so even if you're raised from the dead, guess what? You still got to die, you know? So you really haven't accomplished that much by raising someone from the dead. So I'm just, I'm just questioning now. I'm not saying God can't raise people from the dead. I just say, I'm just saying that I don't really think he's in the business of doing that much today. Okay, that's my opinion. All right, well, if, if God came along and said, okay, David, I'm going to validate your ministry. I'm going to give you the ability to speak in different languages. Okay, some people call it tongues, you know. You've heard of that. Okay, but it's really languages. That's what the word means, different languages. Well, okay, but, you know, uh, I guess that's good if I was over in Africa talking to a headhunter that I needed to communicate to him, I would need the gift of languages to do that to, in order to communicate to him. But in, a, in, in America, where the preacher speaks English, and everybody in the congregation speaks English, and everybody understands each other, there is really no reason for the gifts of languages, because we all understand English. You get my point there? I mean, the word tongues means language. It was for the purpose of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. That was the reason for it. In other words, they're sitting around, they, they've been told, go ye therefore into all the world, and they're thinking, they're scratching their head thinking, okay, boy, that's going to be a biggie right there. How do we communicate to them? And on the day of Pentecost, guess what? They're given the gifts of languages. So you put two and two together and you say, okay, now we can go because now we can communicate and we can go into all the world. That's the purpose of the gifts of tongues, the gifts of languages. So I'm saying with all of our modern technology and all of the ability to translate and to take books and translate them into different languages, the gifts of tongues, with the exception of like talking to that headhunter in a different you know, country or something, with the exception of that, it's really not needed that much today, not near as much as it was 2,000 years ago. Okay. All right. So God comes along and says, okay, David, I'm going to validate your ministry, and I'm going to give you the power to cast out demons. Well, okay, um, I guess that's okay. Um, cast out demons, and, and it's just, the problem is, I, I'm not sure how that works. I, uh, a few times in my ministry, I suspected a person was, maybe had something wrong. They were definitely off the rocker, you know, maybe crazy or something. I thought, well, that guy must be demon-possessed, but I, I did you know, I, I guess, excuse me, sir, I think you're demon-possessed. Let me cast that out. You know, I'm not sure how that works. Uh, uh, and, then, and then again, there are all kinds of ministries out there that blame a demon on everything. I mean, they, everything's a demon. You know, it's, it's a demon of, there was a bunch of idiots, that, the religious nuts that used to, off their rocker, man. I mean, this group was really nutty. 
But they blamed everything on a demon. One of them, they were eating a peanut butter cracker. And there's a reason they call them things, nabs, you know, chokers. They call them chokers. There's a reason they call them chokers, peanut butter nabs. And he started choking. And uh, one of them screamed out, it's a peanut butter demon. Ah, man, I wish I was making this stuff up, you know. Uh, but, you know, there are some people, I mean, demons of masturbation, you know, demons of the, demons of debauchery. I believe that guy's got a demon of debauchery, you know. Of course, we call them horny demons in the South, you know. But, but anyway, I mean, the people blame them, the demons on everything. Everything's a demon, you know. And I, I just don't buy that. I just don't believe. Now, again, in other countries, like where they worship their religion is voodoo, yeah, you got some demon possession going on around there, but in those areas. But as far as, I mean, in America, it takes a lot to give yourself over to demonic uh, control. It really does. I mean, you really got to go a long ways down. And it really has to do with almost like religion, like, you know, the religion of uh, voodoo or whatever. You really got to, you know, it's just, I just don't think it's that common here in America today, demon possession. Although we like to blame a demon on it. You know, the devil made me do it. Well, it's, just, it's a way to escape responsibility. It really is for your actions. If you can say the devil made, you know, Flip Wilson say the devil made me do it. Well, it, every, there's ministries out there that blame a demon on, blame everything on a demon. All right. Okay, but God came along and said, nah, I'm going to empower, I'm going to validate your ministry and I'm going to give you the power to heal the sick. Well, that, that would be cool. But you see, I believe God does heal the sick. And I think he has healed the sick. We have anointings at our church when someone asked for anointing. And I, there's been cases where people have been healed. And I, so I'm not saying that God cannot do these things. Uh, I'm not saying that God still doesn't cast out demons or would give the gifts of languages or, you know. But I'm just saying that, you know, if God came to me and said, I'm going to validate your ministry with all these points. I think I would say, Lord, I just don't think my ego can handle this because this is power and I'm a human being, you know, and I make a lot of mistakes and I just don't think my ego can handle this. That, that's, that would be my response to God. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think it is in God's best interest to validate a man? Uh, to validate a man's what? To validate a man's anything. I mean, ministry, work or whatever. I mean. Do you think that, you know, now the problem is, a lot of these ministries that claim to, you know, well, God, I have these powers, healing and demons, casting out demons, and then uh, we're speaking in different languages or tongues or gibberish or whatever it is. I know what they're preaching is, in a lot of cases, a lie. I know a lot of what they're preaching cannot be proved from the Bible. So my question is, is God in the business of validating liars? No, I don't think he is. I don't think God would validate liars or people that are speaking half-truths or whatever. I just don't think he does that. Okay. All right, let's look at 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 9. It says, Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. Now, this is talking about a person, a, you know, I'm not sure what this is, but it's coming after the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. My question is this, if you're religious, what are you gonna do when you see these miracles taking place from this, whoever this is? In other words, there is coming a man, a leader, a charismatic personality, a church organization, a, 
a church denomination, it's something, I'm not sure what it is, who is described as a worker of Satan with all power and signs and lying wonders. In fact, I think they're already out there, to be honest with you. But my question is, will you be deceived when you see someone, some religious person, you know, call down fire from heaven? Will you say, that's it, that's it, that, that, that's, that's God's man right there. Will you be deceived? Continuing on, verse 10, And with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And this is interesting because it starts to get inside the mindset of these kinds of people who are going to be deceived. They are people who have never received the love of the truth. You know, there's a verse in the Bible where it says, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them, or nothing shall cause them to stumble. And this is what we're talking about is the ability as a religious person to stumble when you see these miracles and signs and wonders taking place. And this verse says, Great peace have they which love your law, and nothing shall offend them, or nothing shall make them stumble. Now, why is it that a person who loves the law of God cannot stumble? You know, the, the person who loves God's law, when he sees signs and wonders, says, oh, that's, that's interesting, but what does he teach? Is he following the law of God? Is he following the word of God? In other words, the person who loves God's law is not taken away with signs and wonders. In other words, signs and wonders often is nothing more than a carnival show. You want a carnival show? You know, Sigmund and Freud or whatever, you know, you, you can have that. But that, a lot of times, signs and wonder is nothing more than a carnival, a carnival show. And the person who is grounded in the law of God looks to the law of God for correction, for instruction. In other words, what does God want me to do? How do you want me to live my life? The superficial Christian looks for signs and wonders. Now, why, why is that? Why would the superficial Christian look to signs and wonders? Well, because there's nothing required. There's nothing you got to do. You just look at, oh, wow, that's got to be of God. I don't understand a single thing they're saying with this gifts of, of tongues, but it's got to be of God. I don't understand it, so it's got to be of God. Doesn't make a bit of sense, but it's got to be of God. That's how people, you know, wow, did you see that? That's a sign. That's a wonder. Will you be deceived? Now let's continue on. Verse 11. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Next verse. That they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, now we get to the root as to why uh, they do not love the truth. It's because they have pleasure in unrighteousness. In other words, they have pleasure in unrighteousness. They have pleasure in sin. In other words, they're living in sin. And so they don't really want a religion where God's, where they look to the law of God and they look to the law for correction and instruction and reproof. They just want a, a circus show. That's all they want. Now, I'm going to tell you how never to be deceived by another religious person. Here it is. Isaiah 8 and verse 20. How never to be deceived by a religious person, by a minister, by anybody. Here's, here's the answer. Isaiah 
8 and verse 20. It says, To the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. Did you get that? I've just told you how never to be deceived by a minister, by a church, by a church organization. To the law and the testimony, if they don't speak according to this, according to this word, it is because there's no light in Notice, there's no light in them. Yeah, a lot of people don't want to believe that, but I'm just, I just told you how never to be deceived. In other words, you have to judge it by what do they stand for. Okay, they just called down fire from heaven, but what do you believe? What do you stand for? What do you believe about the law of God? You know, that's what you got to look at. And as far as, I wanted, to make, I wanted to come back to this, you know, as far as raising people from the dead, you know, a lot of people would say, wow, man, if you raise someone from the dead, I would believe. But you know what Jesus said? There's a little story about you know, the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. And this one guy, he was concerned about his other family members. And he said, now look, he said, if someone, went, if someone was raised from the dead and went to them, they would repent. You know, it's like, oh, uncle so-and-so has been dead for 20 years. You hear a knock on the door and all of a sudden it's uncle so-and-so and uncle Bob. And he's telling you, you need to repent. And you realize, man, he's been dead for 20 years, you know. And this is what the concern was. Look, if you could just send someone from the dead they, and told them to repent, they would do it. And the response in that parable is this. Let's, let's look at it. Luke 16, verse 31. This is the response. This is, this is the answer. If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. That is fascinating. You know, Jesus is saying, look, if they won't hear Moses and the prophets, the law of God, they've got their Bible. They should know what the Bible says. You should know what the Bible says. And they would, if, they don't, if they're not willing to look at that and believe that, they wouldn't believe though one was raised from the dead. This is powerful. This is so powerful. Now, I want you to consider something about signs, miracles, and wonders. The story of Moses when he went to Pharaoh, you know that story. You know, Moses is a type of Christ. Pharaoh is a type of Satan, the devil. And Moses and Aaron, they go before Pharaoh and uh, they, he throws his staff down and it becomes a serpent. And Pharaoh causes his, he, he called his wise men and sorcerers and the magicians and they did the same thing. They threw down their staff and it became a serpent. Now get this, get, understand what I'm trying to tell you here. God is doing miracles, and by the power of satanic powers, these satanic powers are also mimicking the same kind of miracle. Don't let that slip by you. Okay, Moses and Aaron, they take their staff and they turn the water into blood. Huge, I mean, you would think, water into blood, that's a miracle. Well, it was a miracle. And yet the sorcerers and the magicians did the same thing with their enchantments. The same thing. And then they stretched out their hands, uh, Moses and Aaron, they stretched out their hand over the, 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 over the waters of Egypt and frogs came up everywhere. Covered the land of Egypt. And the magicians did the same thing with their enchantments. By the power of evil. Don't let that slip by you. Hear what I'm saying. By satanic power, they were able to mimic the miracles of God. 
by satanic power, they were able to mimic the miracles of God. I'm asking you, could you be deceived? Will you be deceived when some religious fanatic nut comes along starting to do miracles, calling down fire from heaven, healing sick people, raising the dead? Will you say, that's it, that's God's man, I'm going with him? And yet, he's, proving, he's preaching the exact opposite of what the Bible teaches. He is doctrinally not correct at all. You know, and the bottom line is, if you don't know your Bible, if you don't know what the law of God requires from you, you, you will be deceived. That's the bottom line. You will be deceived. You will be deceived by the signs, miracles, and wonders will totally take you back and you'll say, that's got to be it. That's got to be of God. Because you don't know your Bible. Because you don't know what the Word of God expects from you. Now, I want to go through several points here. Number one, the gift of healing is an act of God's mercy. It does not mean God has validated a man's ministry. It's just an act of God's mercy. That's all it is. It, it, the gift of healing is not for the validating of a man's ministry. Casting out demons is an act of God's mercy and deliverance. It does not mean God has validated that man's ministry. Raising a person from the dead is an act of God's mercy and compassion. It does not mean God has validated that man's ministry. Speaking in languages is an act of God's mercy to communicate the gospel to people who otherwise could not understand your language. It does not mean that God has validated the man's ministry. <clears throat> you know, if you think God is validating your ministry with signs, miracles, and wonders, you, my friend, are on an ego trip. You really are. You really are. And you may have a power, the same power that Pharaoh's magicians had. Yeah. Listen, God is not into carnival circus religion. He's not into that. In fact, that kind of stuff is one of the things that has created the mess that we're in right now. People look at religion and they say, ah, if that's religion, look at this. I mean, it's a bunch of buffoons out there. They belong in a circus. No. Two, the Bible says this. Isaiah 8 and verse 20 says, to the law and to the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. You know, you cannot just gullibly sit by and just expect someone to entertain you at church. You cannot just sit there and be spoon-fed by your ministry. Minister, it's time for you to prove all things, to hold fast to that which is good, to check up on what your minister is telling you. Don't believe me, believe your Bible. If you can't find it in the Bible, don't believe me. And we have to hold these men, ministers, feet to the fire. And this scripture simply tells us, to the law and the testimony, if they speak not according to this word, it is because there is no light in them. And that is what's really in your Bible.
This program has been sponsored by your local Church of God, Rocky Mount. We invite you to fellowship with us every Saturday afternoon at 1.30. Our address is Church of God, Rocky Mount, 27 Brookledge Lane, Rocky Mount, Virginia, 24151. Also, you can contact us by email at minister at cogrm.com. That's minister at cogrm.com.